Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. Maximize your leadership potential and professional advancement and be inspired. We're delighted to be your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development from a women in business perspective. We share our original research, explore industry and workforce trends, and interview female executives, allies, and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things women in business, leadership challenges, talent management, organizational development, change management, and diversity and inclusion. Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. In this WBIL podcast episode, Dr. Kelly Hall talks with Melissa Lane as part of the Women in Business Leadership Speaker Series. everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dr. Kelly Hall. I'm a faculty member in the Woodbury School of Business um, on behalf of the Woodbury School and our partners in the Women's Success Center and UVU Executive Education. We are so delighted uh, that you can participate in our Women in Business Leadership Speaker Series. Um, Just a couple quick announcements before we get started. Um, If this is the first time you're joining one of these events, Um, You may note that your audio and your video is currently disabled, um, and that just helps to mitigate some uh, background noise and distractions, but we definitely want you to interact and engage, Um, so there's a couple ways you can do that. Um, We have a QA and a feature at the bottom of the screen, so if you have a question, feel free to submit it through that uh, feature. We also have the chat feature, and um, as time allows at the end, if you want to verbally pose a question, then I can get your mic turned on for you. Um, but definitely, we want you, you know, to, to feel like you can submit questions, so we encourage you to use those channels. Um, now, I'm super excited to introduce you to Melissa Lane. Uh, Mel is head of direct sales at Divi, and I've had the great pleasure of getting to know her over the last year. And I can tell you that she's very well respected by both internal and external colleagues alike. Um, Her work has been recognized um, among those in her industry. For example, she is the recipient of the Utah Business Sales and Marketer of the Year Award. Um, Not only is she a strong leader, she is someone who is committed to continuous learning and development. She always has something insightful to share, and she has a disposition that really sets you at ease. So I know that we're in for a great treat this evening. Mel, thank you so much for giving us your time tonight, and I'm going to hand the floor over to you. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Professor Hall. I appreciate the the warm introduction there, the accolades, and I hope I live up to, to the great intro. So um, just thank you all for joining. I'm, I'm truly humbled to be here. Um, that I'm, I'm really, I'm really grateful to, to have the opportunity to speak to you today and, and to all of those that will eventually watch this recording. Just so we establish a bit of an agenda for tonight. Um, first of all, I want to give you a little bit about my background. I know it's kind of annoying, like, oh, I got to listen to this person's life story too, but I do want to give you a reason why you should listen to me and <laughs> kind of give you the buildup of my come up over the years. I used to joke that the song started from the bottom by Drake should be my theme song. Um, but there's a bunch of cuss words that my mom and grandparents probably wouldn't like in that song. So maybe I should pick another one, but definitely want to give you just background as to, to why you should listen to me. And then I have for you today, sort of 20 years worth of experience consolidated into three main buckets. And so with time permitting, we'll stop at the end of each bucket and offer you a, a time to do Q and A. If you have things to write into the chat, please do. Um, I'll I'll try to remember to ask you to write things into the chat as well as we go on. And then I did provide to to Professor Hall what we call in sales a leave behind, but it's probably the right terminology in education should maybe be a takeaway. Um, But I I provided her something that you all could have. So 
Um, this for me is a, is like I said, I'm super humbled and grateful to be here, but this is a, a way that I'm living out my legacy. Um, and it's something I, I have a tagline on my LinkedIn, make each day your masterpiece. That's a John Wooden quote, but it's, it's really important to me. I actually went out and got my MBA so I could do justice and professor hall doesn't know this, but I eventually want to be her. Like I would love to teach. I would love to educate the future, you know, leaders of tomorrow and do that sort of thing. So I, I fangirl big time on, on professor hall and, and all of her colleagues there at UVU. Um, so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity for this, but a little bit about me personally, I'm married. Um, I have a wife who is um, a writer. Uh, I have a little girl who's named Brave, who's two years old, um, who's the joy of my life. And I'm so grateful we adopted her. She's born International Women's Day. So that's amazing. Um, but back background for me was I was a poor kid growing up. I was a kid that was um, on welfare. Um, I, you know, we, we were the family that the church helped bring firewood and groceries and um, my mom was a, a single mom. Our dad was in the picture, but definitely, um, my mom did, you know, everything she could to go back to school and clean houses for a job and showed us what hard work, work looked like from a really young age. And I saw the way that community can support you and the way that you can get on your feet and really rally in life, um, in a very firsthand way. Um, and so with that, I wanted a job right away <laughs> so I could make my own money and I could do my own thing. And so my career got started at a really young age. But um, one of the ways that, you know, when you don't have money, you figure stuff out is you volunteer, you get sponsored for things. Um, for us, we, you know, in, in high school sports, I wasn't one of those kids that parents wrote the check for, you know, the $200 for all your gear. I had to go out and sell these media guide ads. And so, you know, we went to go and sell them and I went business to business selling these ads. And to me, that was like one of my very first sales jobs, you know, just, and I know I wasn't making like a paycheck, but I was figuring out a way to buy my shoes or buy my basketball or buy whatever I was doing. And, um, and so I went business to business. And as I was in one of these businesses, um, it was a cell phone shop. The guy on the way out was like, Hey, like, do you want a job job? And I was like, yeah, he was like, cool. I have a sign and you can twirl it on the corner. And as a girl in high school, that's probably one of the worst jobs you can have in like the cool kids neighborhoods. So I took it and I ended up going and waving the heck out of that sign. And I started, you know, free phones with the little arrow pointing and I was good at it. I did the twirls and you guys hopefully are chuckling at this, but that was what I did. And it was brutal. It was people at high school knew me as the girl on the corner with the sign. And they would ask me questions like, oh, it was a corner last night. And like these horrible things, right? Throw sodas at me, the cool football kids. It was rough. But you know what? It led me into the my very first opportunity, which was one day that same owner of that store had to run to the bank. And when he ran to the bank, he said, Melissa, you want to come in and, and watch the store for me? I'm just going to be gone for a little while. I said, sure, I, I can watch the store. No problem. I don't want him to miss out on anything. And it's hot anyways outside. So my disc man probably needed new batteries or something like that. So I went in. And in the meanwhile, while he was gone at the bank, I went and I sold five lines on a family plan and I had it all. This was back in the old Nokia's free phones. I mean, this is before iPhone. I'm, I'm 37. So this is a while ago, but I did that. We had carbon copy contracts. I had it all figured out. He comes back from the bank and he's like, how did it go? Expecting me to be like, eh, it was nobody. It was like, you know, Wednesday or Thursday or something like that it was midweek. And instead I go, great. I sold five lines on a family plan. Here's the driver's license. The boxes, we used to cut the box off and um, scan the driver's license. Here's the, or make a photocopy. And here's the contracts. I give him the yellow one. That's for customers. And he goes, wait a minute. Like, how did you know how to do this? And I was like, Mark, I watch you. I take my lunch in the back. Like I've watched you do this like a hundred times. Like I, I still remember a dealer code LL920. Like it's still in my head today. Like I, it was that ingrained in me. And he goes, you realize you're never going back out and twirling that sign again on the corner, right? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm opening another shop and you're going to run it. So in high school, I ran my first cell phone shop and it was really cool. It was, it was a special opportunity. I would go to school. I would play my sport. I would run the shop in the afternoons and evenings and every weekend. And I just hustled. And I found that from a really early age, I could be scrappy and I could hustle and I could be determined and I could have this responsibility about me. And 
that really gave me like a, a really great sense of purpose. I, I got to pay for my own car, you know, I had that freedom and that sort of thing. So that was a real big buildup. And so um, when college came around, I didn't have any money for school, obviously. Um, plenty of money for Coldstone Creamery, but not, not enough money for, for college. And so I went to a community college for two years. And despite playing basketball in high school um, for a great organization that was, you know, world class, and, and I learned a ton from the program, I wasn't good enough to play in college. So I was good enough at soccer. I went to a junior college. I played soccer for two years, and then I got I worked my tail off to send out DVDs of my highlight reel to colleges, hoping that one would come and watch me play and would give me a dollar for a scholarship, like something that I could have money for. I ended up getting a full ride to a university and playing my last two years um, on a full ride soccer scholarship. And I was a captain. Um, I carried at least 16 units. I continued my cell phone shop. I worked my schedule around it. I worked 32 hours a week so I could stay manager. I just hustled. Um, and that was really formidable for me. Um, and I was in, in that process of being in college. I met this, this account executive that came in my store selling, you know, this Helio thing that I didn't even know what it was, but Helio was a startup cell phone company pre iPhone, um, that had been a, a joint venture between Earthlink, Sky Dayton and, and SK Telecom, South Korea Telecom. There was just this new startup. Nobody really knew about it. It was on Sprint's network. Nobody really got it, but I was interested. I was like, I think startups could be my jam and they have been ever since, but I decided not to go into the Coast Guard, which was what I was going to do. I was all ready to go. And instead I graduated college and I went to, and I landed my first job at my first startup, which was Helio. I grinded my tail off. I got promoted within six months. Um, and I ran what was called their company-owned retail kiosks at, I don't know, I must have been 21, 22 years old. I was running seven locations throughout Southern California, multiple staff members at each one, and we were profitable. We were doing great. We ended up getting acquired by Virgin Mobile and eventually Sprint, but I really learned how to build like a scalable sales team and engine there, um, not knowing really what I was doing, just replicating what I had done in different cell phone shops across seven now at the same time. And, um, and when we got acquired, I went and I was tired, as you can imagine, from doing all this in high school and college. And I took a four month break. I got a, a severance package once we got acquired. And I went and taught reading to kids at an elementary school for volunteer because I just needed a reboot and to figure something out. And then I got a call. And this is the first time where I realized how important my network was um, from LinkedIn and from, you know, just having proven myself to be somebody who could do a good job. I got this call from this guy, Rob Silvestri. It was a New Jersey phone number. I, I'm still in contact with him today. We were actually just chatting the other day. And he goes, hey, is this Melissa? I'm like, yeah. He goes, this is Rob. You don't know me. I was on the East Coast with Helio. You were on the West Coast. And I've got a proposition for you. I hear you can run a district from OVP. Um, are you interested in going and selling Verizon Fios? And I go, I don't even know what that is, right? And <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, totally. Because I've been out of work for four months at this point. And um, the kids reading is very fulfilling in my soul, but not maybe not in my pocketbook. And severance has run out at this point. And he goes, great. Like, if you're somewhat interested, if you could meet the guy tomorrow, down in, in Long Beach, like for lunch, he would love to, to talk to you. And so I went and I had no idea what I was doing. I quickly Googled and read everything I could on Verizon Fios and tried to talk the talk and went to this lunch and um, I nailed it. And I was with them for eight and a half years. I grew it from full, four mall kiosks to over 400 stores. We were in California and Texas and Florida and all over the East Coast. Um, I had a blast, um, but I had kind of hit my ceiling there. And I felt like, okay, I had done this. I've got all these people reporting to me. I've got this empire built, but like, what's next for me? Like, I like building things like this, like what's going to happen next. So I got hit up again on LinkedIn, um, solar city this time hit me up and they wanted me to come and do a strategy gig for them. They were standing up some malls. Um, and I came and I did that. We ended up getting acquired by Tesla, which you guys probably uh, heard about. And that is where I met my Utah network. And I met a bunch of people from Utah there and they said, come do this vivid retail thing, come out to Utah and run strategy for us for this retail program. And I did that. And then I met my next network, which was somebody um, that knew me from Vivint and said, there's this FinTech company called Divi and we need problem solvers. Um, are you interested? And at first I was like, 
I don't want to drive to Lehigh every day from Park City, but I went in, I met the team, I felt the vibe and it was a no brainer. Um, it solved a real life problem. We do expense management. For those of you who don't know, go to getdivvy.com. That's a shameless plug, but I have to do it because I'm in sales. Um, but I was there early. I was like employee 80th or something. Um, so really early. And we, I think we were series B at the time. We ended up getting our series C, surviving COVID um, and, you know, got our series D unicorn valuation, December, 2020. Um, and June of 2021, we were acquired by bill.com, which is a major player in the space. We got acquired for $2.5 billion. Um, our goal is to be a hundred billion dollar company here very soon. We're going to hustle and keep going for it. Um, but that is sort of my come up, um, sales engines, startups, um, kind of that next on the brink, what I would call like on the brink technology, like whatever's kind of hot and coming. Um, that's kind of where I've lived and played. And so hopefully as I consolidate these 20 years into sort of these lessons for you all today, you can say, uh, maybe like she knows what she's talking about a little bit. So I'm going to try to consolidate all my tips and tricks um, and have you be able to apply them in your personal lives and careers. That's my goal for today. And hopefully you walk away with something. So all of this requires effort and discipline and consistency. And, you know, I, I say this to my team all the time, like, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. So don't try to swallow this all the at, at once. But um, uh, like I said, I've got to leave behind for you that um, that you can tick it off as you go. But prioritize it, find what works for you and um, work to eat your ugliest frog first. And that's um, <laughs> a Brian Tracy book reference. But, um, you know, whatever you need the most, just go for that. Um, but for now, if you have something to write with, to take notes with, that'll benefit you as we get started here. Um, I would recommend a highlighter, a different color pen. I have like this strategy whenever it's a takeaway for me, I make like a little asterisk and a circle around it. And I know that's like a star to come back to for me. So whatever your strategy is, hopefully you have one by now. Listen, take notes accordingly, and, and hopefully this, this will help you out. So um, yeah, so the first section of this is confidence. And the theme of this is evolve your confidence. So that'd be the title of this section. So first of all, I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Confidence is never fully built. And it's, it, it is a brick by brick, interaction by interaction, moment by moment in your life that you're going to work on your confidence. It's little things like, are you talking to yourself positively? And I say this to people all the time, like if you had, if someone else in your life talked to you the way you talk to you, would you let them? And I try to remember that. And all the time, like if I'm being hard on myself, I'm like, if anybody else in my life talked to me this way, I would not allow this. <laughs> like, so that's a good check, I think, but positive self-talk will help you with confidence. Secondly, meditation. There are so many meditation apps out there, but being able to ground yourself and to breathe and to find yourself and to find composure is, is a very critical component of confidence. Um, I personally, it, I do something on Peloton every day. If you, if you want to find my screen name, it's MN Lane 22. So I'd love to have you join me on Peloton, but I do something of Peloton every day. Like today is my off day, but I will do a meditation. I will at least do a five minute meditation. Um, so if, if you can find a, a gratitude meditation or a peace meditation or something like that, that'll just help you kind of breathe through moments in life differently. And, and people talk about this all the time. And I used to think, oh, that's just something they say or, you know, whatever, but it is actually, I, I can speak firsthand on this, something that will benefit you. Another thing is positive affirmations. I've taught my little daughter in the mirror. She says, every night we brush her teeth, right? We sing the alphabet while we brush her teeth. And then we say, I am smart. I am strong. I am loving and kind. And her name's brave. So at the end, and she goes, I am brave. And we do that three times in a row. And she talks to herself with positive affirmations right away. And it's just, it's something I want to instill in her from a, a young age is to be, <laughs> is to be positive with yourself and say things that are going to empower you and make you feel really good. Journaling is a good place to put your thoughts because sometimes, you know, your spouse, significant other, best friend, whoever's your roommate, who's ever there with you doesn't want to hear about everything, but your journal does. And so if you need to get it out someplace, put it in your journal. Um, goal setting is great and self-care. I've recently read this article about this concept of third place, your first place being your domestic house, you know, your personal space that way, your second place being 
work, you know, where there's some social constructs and like different things, but you're kind of out in society a bit, but there's like guardrails on it. You're third place and you can Google like what is a third place and that sort of thing. Third place, they might come up weird because of Google, but um, I can send the article to you too, Professor Hall. But the idea is your third place should be something community, some some place where you can relax, unwind, spread your thoughts, hear other people, you know, whether that's a coffee shop or a barber shop or a nail salon or a, you know, a place you play tennis or do a sport or, you know, just a, a, a lodge somewhere, you know, there's a million different places, but close to your home, but a place where you can really practice self-care, unwind and, and unplug from like your everyday life. That's going to help a ton too. Um, in, in building and evolving your confidence. Another piece of confidence is establish a vision, reflect with yourself. What do I want to do for my life? Like it's morbid to look at this, but like on my funeral, what do I want said about me? Like, and, and therefore, like in order to achieve that, what do I need to do today to, to start taking steps to be what I want to be in my life, the legacy I want to leave behind. I'm, I'm part of this lean in mentorship program at at um, Divi. And one of the practices we just did was reflecting on what gave you energy as a child? Where do you get your energy now? Where as a young adult, did you find fulfillment? Like, what are these pieces of you that give you energy and strength? Like, what are they? And making sure that that work environment and your environment at, at home or in your personal life is also playing into those strengths in a really big way because you don't want to be too far off base there. Um, and asking yourself truly, like, are these aligned with what I want to do with that, you know, reflection of my life, of my legacy? Because if you're taking those steps, you will feel more confident. You will get that momentum in your life. Um, and um, sculpting that vision for your life and not being afraid. And the reason I'm saying evolve your confidence, it's an evolving brick by brick lay, but it's also evolving the vision of your life. It's okay. If it changes a little bit, Oh, I thought I was going to go do this. And now I'm going to go do this. Everything in your life is going to lead you to that next step. Um, and you're going to learn something as you go. Right. And, and it'll, it'll be, as long as you apply those learnings, it'll be something that you're moving forward. You're gaining confidence. You're getting something from that. Another piece of, of confidence, evolving your confidence is go in prepared um, for everything that you can prepare for. Take the time. It's hard sometimes like to take the time using time blocks, using time management skills, which I'm sure you're learning in your different courses. Um, and there's a ton of books out there. I mentioned Eat, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. That's that's a classic. But, you know, there's there's ways that you can learn to take advantage of every moment in your day. And the more prepared you go in for something, and starting with what does success look like for this project or this conversation or this job interview or whatever that is, and then preparing for that, um, that's going to help you feel more confident in that, that place. Like I'm more confident in this talk right now because I've prepared for it. You know, it, it's not just like off the top of my head, <laughs> like, although I can maybe do that if you really want to put me up for it. But um, it, it's all about that preparation. Um, I have a guy on my team that says success equals opportunity and preparation. Um, and I believe in that. And sometimes, you know, when you don't have the time to prepare, you didn't carve out the time to prepare. Sometimes, and I've learned this from a hot yoga class, sometimes just staying in the room and learning as much as you can in that moment and just being as present as you can um, in the lack of preparedness can really help you get through things too and know that, hey, I can do that and I can come back next time and I can I can add this too. And using a yoga reference, I can add this to my practice. Maybe today I'm just laying here on my mat, but next time I'm gonna get in that first posture, whatever that looks like too. So brick by brick, moment by moment, evolving your confidence. And then the next piece and final piece of evolving your confidence is listen to that still small voice inside of you. Um, ask yourself, like, does it serve me? Does it fit what my soul, what that voice inside of me is telling me to do? Am I in the flow of life? Do I have momentum? You know, me personally, I, I didn't mention, you know, I did a brief stint at another company. You can go look on my LinkedIn where it is. And in the moment where I quit the one and only job I've ever quit, I said to that person, this just doesn't suit my soul. Um, and that was a big move for me. And it gave me actually a ton of confidence. It was hard. It was, you know, it was hard to say because it felt like so hippy dippy or, or out there to say to someone, but that 
that person that I, I said that to, it was inevitably my direct supervisor was like, I get it. You know, I get it. And people get that. If you're not in the flow of your life, if you don't have momentum, if something's not serving you or suiting you, still learn from it, fail fast, fail forward, find, find those learnings, apply them. So next time you go into something, you go, I know what's going to tick these boxes for me, for my life and serve me in a really big way. And then, you know, go do that and learn from that. Um, but you don't have to, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to. Um, and so that's, that is, you know, evolving your confidence. Those would be like four quick tips on ways to do that. Um, and with time for many, you know, if there are any questions on that first segment, I'll take it. And if not, I'll, I'll hit the next one. So the next kind of big bucket, if you're taking your notes is remain resourceful. Um, so remaining resourceful, there's a ton of different ways to do this. I'll give you kind of four main ones here. First of all, your team matters, um, whether you're building a team um, or you're looking at kind of more broadly, what team am I joining? Um, they talk about all the time, you're the, you're the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. That's a real thing. Uh, um, and it's important to surround yourself with people with, with positive energy, with um, intelligence and people you can learn from, with diversity of thought, those sorts of things. But start thinking about bar raising people who will make you better. The more people that are in your circle that will make you better, that will help you. It will serve you. It will act as a resource for you. When you're interviewing, for those of you that are, are potentially going to be doing that, if not on your panel, of your interview panel, ask to speak to peers who do that job. Um, that'll tell you a lot of insight about the culture of the company that you're looking at. It'll tell you the insight of, uh, into the manager and the supervisor. Um, and it, it'll help you tick a few boxes that you didn't know um, that were important to tick. Um, it, it's beyond just asking, well, what does a day in the life look like? It, it's digging deeper. It's, it's being you know um, cognizant of who you're about to surround yourself with. Um, ask them, you know, what is it that you, you bring to the team? Um, what superpower do you need on the team? Be ready to find your superpower. What are you going to give to the team too? It's the spirit of reciprocity, right? Like you're going to receive all this from the team and you're also going to give it, um, in a job interview situation saying, this is my superpower. This is what I'm going to bring to your team. That is second to none is going to be critical for you because that's what everybody's looking for. Bar raising is a, a term from Amazon, but every company that I know has is using that, right? And what that means is you're coming in and, and the bar is here for a team, but because you're there, you've raised it. And now everybody has a new standard. That's so, so important. It's what, it's what hiring managers are looking for. Be ready and prepared um, to share what, what it is. There's this concept, and we talk a lot about it at Divi, it's from the book Boys in the Boat, which is a great book if you haven't read it. There's a lot of like little subtle leadership pieces on it. It's a great read. Um, but it's this idea of swing. It's this crew team um, from a university up in Washington. And they talk about being in rhythm with everybody that you're working with, whether that's your immediate team or your partners in business. And they talk about swing and keeping your oars, you know, in swing with each other, because if one person's off, you're going to what they call catch a crab and send the boat sideways or slow it down or lose momentum. So your team really matters. And if you can't achieve swing with people, if you can't stay in this rhythm, um, it's, it's maybe that not the right fit, or there's some work that needs to be done to achieve that, or that's sort of thing. And you will have to determine at that time what it is, but your team really matters um, because they're a great resource for you. The second piece is make sure you're learning. You're learning from experts, both in and outside of your organization. You're learning from a diverse pool of people um, It's um, and, and resources, um, whether that's, you know, Google, YouTube, podcasts, like just don't be lazy. <laughs> like that, that would be like a pro tip. Um, get yourself educated, you know, uh, and it doesn't have to cost money. It doesn't, it, do, there's so much, many, there's a public library. I'm in one right now taking this call so I could have great Wi Fi for y'all tonight. But um, there's just so much out there. Add it to your routine if, as part of your routine, the same way you take care of maybe your body and you work out 
take care of your mind and use the resources that are out there. And there's so stinking many of them. Masterclass is a great one too, that has a ton of stuff on there. And that one does cost money, but there's just so much out there that if you, I use a saying all the time, leaders are readers. And if you read and you apply this knowledge and you remain resourceful in that, that manner, um, that will suit you really well too. Another piece of that learning though, is let it feed your soul. Sometimes they're not business books, right? Like they don't have to be business books. Sometimes I just read a, a Pema Chodron book um, recently. And what I learned from that is this theme of just like me, and I can apply that to business. And she has a strategy in, in Buddhism that is um, when you're looking at somebody, she says she goes to a park or a coffee shop and she looks at them and she goes, just like me. But I use it at work all the time in, in any kind of like tiny friction point. I'm like, just like me, they want to do a great job. Just like me, they're providing for their family. Just like me, they want to earn their next promotion. You know, whatever that is. And that concept is is so great. And I didn't learn that in a business book. I read that in a book called Living Beautifully in Uncertainty and Change, um, which I thought was great. But make sure that whatever you're learning too is, is feeding you in multiple ways. It doesn't always have to be leadership or business or, you know, whatever you're studying. Um, and then the, the final piece of that is have a, an abundant mindset. And what I mean by that, there's like the scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. And if you can remain resourceful and in abundance, like that's, that's massive. Ask yourself, what else can I do? How do I get creative um, about this problem that I'm tackling, you know, and to think that there's always a solve to think that there's always something that you can do to crack the code um, is an abundance mindset and going into it that way. And, and maybe that means you're stuck and you need to ask somebody in a resource, or maybe you need to go throw clay at a pottery wheel and get yourself unstuck or go hit a ball or shoot a hoop or whatever you do, take a hike. Um, but to get yourself unstuck and to remain in an abundance mindset going, gosh, there's a lot here that I could gather. Um, there's more I could do. What else could I do there? Oh, how could I solve this? And keeping yourself moving that way and keeping yourself in feeling like there's abundance here and there's a way to get through this. That is, that is a mindset of resourcefulness too. So remaining resourceful will be kind of the next one. looks like there's a Q and a, and this is a great time uh, to do it. Cause that's the end of remain resourceful. Let's see. What would I do differently? If I could go back to the time you were in school doing your MBA, what would I do differently? What would you do differently? If you could go back to the time I did my MBA just last year. So, um, I actually really liked when I did my MBA because I felt like I had enough like practical experience to then really like score in class. I think if I were redoing my MBA, I would have networked a little bit more in the program. Um, I did work with some amazing people. I did sort of an international program to answer your, your question, um, Marjorie. Um, I, and I met people I had in my, in my capstone project, I had people from Japan and Hawaii and England, and it was amazing. Um, but I think I could have done more there. I was in the documentary club because I'm resourceful like that. Um, and I, I love documentaries. I'm a big big nerd like that. But um, I just feel like I, I could have gone bigger with that. We still have our alumni network and I joined as many of those events as I can. But I feel like in that moment when we were all kind of in the trench, I missed an opportunity um, to, to network further. So that'd be my answer there. Um, Summer wrote, I really struggle with motivation and determination. How do I stay motivated? I think that goes back to kind of the self-care and the balance of life, right? Like you have work, you have personal, but that third piece, Summer, of finding something that really makes you feel fulfilled um, and gives you like a breather out of your every day is really important. I'm actually a really big routine person too. So I make sure I build in time for Peloton, for, you know, my physical stuff, for my mental stuff to read. Um, that serves me really well to keep me motivated. And then I would say like a small detail that I think oftentimes gets overlooked is celebrate your wins. Like we don't celebrate our wins enough. Like we wait until we're done with that MBA program or we're done with university or we're done with that big promotion at work before we're celebrating. Like there are so many wins today. I just, just this morning, I was able to promote two people on my team to earn promotions, one to a director and one to a manager. I'm so stinking proud of those guys. Like that is such a win. I felt like, and I used the reference that I was like Michael Jordan crying on the floor of the 19, after he won the 1996 championship. But like, I felt like that. I felt so fulfilled in that moment. I, I want to soak that in 
in the same way. I hope that they're out celebrating with their families tonight. Like I feel really fulfilled that way. So don't forget to celebrate little details. Even if it's like, I got a project done. Like I just getting those little wins, like those are momentum in your life. Those are, those are ways to channel motivation. Those are ways to be like, I did that pat myself on the back. Um, but don't just wait for the big stuff would be, would be another thing that I would recommend. Okay. Now we had um, a few questions that were submitted um, through the registration process. And one of them kind of fits in with this segment. Yeah, go for it. Yes, please. Uh, because it deals with the issue of teams. And the question is, what approach do you take to um, rally a team behind a big goal? Yeah. So firstly, that vision breakdown that I was mentioning, like, what is the vision of this goal? I ask my team all the time, if you don't understand the why behind this, what put your hand up and do not put it down. Cause it is my job to provide you with that. Why, why we're going to go chase this goal. That is a starting point in my, in my opinion, for a big goal or a big project or something that you're doing and trying to rally your team. If they don't have sort of like, why are we even going after this? determine, like, then they're probably not going to buy into it. And then from there, it's defining what does success look like in this given project or, or the goal that we're trying to hit? Like, what does it actually look like? And then it's breaking it down into milestones. I talked about celebrating small, small wins, but break it down. It's not just the big trophy lift at the end. It's the little milestones along the way and doing something, especially if it's a, it's a, if it's a huge goal, where are the milestones and what will you do when you achieve those milestones too? Like, are you all going out to dinner? Are you giving everybody, you know, some swag? Like what's going to happen at each of these little pieces so that the team feels accomplished and has momentum and goes, okay, we did that check. Let's go to the next one. So those would kind of be like the primary things, paint a really good vision, uh, make sure people are bought into that, break down the project plan, make sure you have milestones and wins along the way. And, you know, and then you can always find a couple right and left arm hands, you know, to be like, these are culture carriers. These are people that are going to carry us through these projects. I know I can rely on them to stay rallied with me, even through the hard times. That's always really helpful too. again, being resourceful and using team members that way. I know I can go to person A and person B and no matter how hard it gets, they're going to help us all pull together and achieve that swing through the project. That would be something that, that I would recommend. Thank you so much. Yeah, sounds great. So um, kind of the next section here is, and, and, the, and the last bucket is, is honesty is the best policy. Um, it is honest with yourself and it's honest with your, your peers, with your boss, with your partner, all of the above. Um, boundaries with your time are a way to be honest. And I think that people oftentimes, new people to organizations, females, this is, you know, women in leadership, we take on as much as we can, you know, and it's really, really important to set boundaries with our time and be honest. What can I take on? How long will it take? What will it cost me to do this? Um, even if you want to do it, even if you don't want to do it, like be honest in those moments um, and set clear expert uh, expectations with individuals that, that you're responsible to with counterparts that you're working with, with people at home, if you're working on a big project or task, if you can be honest with expectations, like be honest with the project itself and what you want to do. And, and if you do want to do it in that whole piece and the time and the cost and all of that, but also with the expectations of what that'll all mean to all parties involved, it's going to help you big time um, with feeling like, you're achieving what you set out to do, that you're meeting the expectations of everybody that's involved and that's in inside, you know, work environment and outside in your personal life as well. And if you do that, it's going to serve you better than having to backpedal later, retract things, change timelines, say, I'm sorry, I missed dinner again at home or whatever the case may be. Um, just be honest and upfront. That would be one. Two, um, I would say, and I learned this, really early on at Helio, as a matter of fact, from Stephanie Wiles, she gave us like three points right out of the gate. Like when we were new to business, corporate America, but one of them was under promise and over deliver. And that has stuck with me like forever. 
the other two are plan your work and work your plan and inspect what you expect if you want to know those. But <laughs> this particular one goes with honesty is the best policy and that's under promise over deliver, but don't be afraid to stretch yourself. And I learned this probably from a, a pretty young age. I'm a competitive individual and I can still hear my mom's voice and I go by Mel or Missy at home and I can still hear my mom's voice on the side of the soccer field yelling PB Missy PB and what PB meant was personal best and no matter if my team missed a pass or missed the goal or ran it out of bounds or whatever they were doing my mom would shout personal best and John Wooden has a definition of success, which is essentially like the peace of mind in which you did the best that you could with the resources you had to get to get it done. And I'm summing it up, but you guys go Google that. And that to me has stuck with me in a big way because your personal best, it, it means something. And you know what that looks like. You know what it looks like to give 100%, to truly give that. Um, and if you're giving that, you're going to feel really good <laughs> about about it like you know you can't give more you know you didn't come in under but if you under promise you over deliver and you give yourself a little stretch you'll always surprise yourself and you'll feel really good about it in the end and so um that would be a, a piece of that and then the next is bushudo which is a samurai they have samurai characteristics samurai that these warriors in japan right um, one of the elements of this is called Makoto. I actually have the tattoo on my ring finger. And what this is, is truth and word and action and essentially do what you say you're going to do. And I have that as a reminder front and center. But if you live with honor and integrity, it, it will serve you and it will, it always comes out. Good always rises, right? So um, this is your life. This is your legacy. No one can stop you from being honest and truthful aside from yourself. So find a phrase, a quote, a tattoo, like whatever it takes to remind yourself to be consistent um, in your honesty too. If you are found as somebody who is, who has integrity and who is honest and that goes with everything from setting good timelines and projects to just being a person of your word, um, it will serve you big time in life, um, in personal and professional life. Um, and then, and then finally for that, I would say be self-aware enough and honest with yourself enough to see any shortcomings that you may have. Um, there's, you know, the, the idea of emotional intelligence, it's, it's critical self-awareness, self-regulation, like those are critical components. Um, but making sure that you maintain a growth mindset and you're, you find you're aware enough to say like, I have a shortcoming here and I want to go fix that. I want to go level myself up that way and be disciplined and commit yourself to that, you know, bite by bite, brick by brick, build yourself in that way. Um, you know, there's, there's the book Atomic Habits that talks about being 1% better every day. You can be 1% better every day. That's it. That's just 1%. It's not, it's not a ton, but in order to do that and, and to make big gains over the course of your life, you have to leave your comfort zone. Like you have to, um, because you can't stay comfortable and complacent and also grow. So even if that's a tiny step out of that, be honest with what you can take on, but be self-aware enough to take it on and to go for it and to kind of jump into that. And so that would be kind of the final component of honesty is the best policy. But yeah, I'm, I'm thankful to all of you for just letting me add to my legacy today. Like this is so huge for me. And, and I really hope that you all got something out of it. I would love for you to maybe pop something into the chat if you did get something out of it. Um, if there are more questions, I'm happy to answer them. Um, on the leave behind that I gave um, to Professor Hall, I have my contact information. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, I also put a podcast that I was on as a guest speaker for Women Who Win podcast, which has some more little tidbits and that sort of thing. I would, I would love to, like I said, connect with you. And, and if you have any aha moments or anything that you go and try on from this, um, I'd love to hear about it. it. It would mean the world to me, but if there aren't any other questions or, or comments or anything, Professor Hall, then I'll kind of turn it back to you. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so let me um, pose another question for you. And this was one that came in on the registration as well. Um, what are some patterns you've noticed over the years about women and work and things they could do better to advance their careers? And certainly you've provided a lot of tips for advancing careers, but anything else um, you want to add in light of that question? Yeah, Radical Candor is a great book too. I think Great's a great book. 
Um, I have a whole list. If you want to like message me, like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. <laughs> like what would be a good book? I would be glad to provide that resource. I would say the number one thing I, I think, and the reason I led with evolve your confidence in this, in this topic tonight was I think that we are too humble, like in moments, I think we should be bolder. I think we should we should have, we should take our voice to the table, right? Like we got to see uh, for the most part, like we're there, right? We might be the only one in the room, which happens still all the time, but you're there for a reason. Like use your voice, use your mind, use your, use your power, step into it. Um, and it's okay to be gracious and, and humble in moments, obviously, like you don't want to come off like a jerk. Nobody does. But don't be afraid to step into that moment because it's it's there. And that, again, is your life. It's your legacy. It's 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 your opportunity. And it's important to seize it. Um, and I think too many people just kind of play it safe and sit back. And I don't think that that's helpful because in the it, it almost creates a animosity, you know, and resentment. And then you're like, but why am I even resenting this? Like, I, I should step in. And so it's still going to require you to get out of your comfort zone to take the opportunity. Um, but I think that's a big piece of it. So being bold, being confident, you stepping into the moment um, would be something that that I would recommend as like a, a tip number one. And then um, a, a second piece to that is I talk about this in that podcast too, is, is about proactive accountability. Don't get caught in life as a victim, as somebody who wants to wait and see or play the blame game or, you know, kind of just play it safe or wait it out, like be somebody who's going to take action and be accountable. Um, there's this Oz principle, see it, own it, solve it, do it. But making sure that you're constantly forward moving and you're kind of like on offense um will help you a ton too and and just not like waiting don't don't sideline yourself i think is what i would sum that up to like you're there you're in the game like play you know play so that would be that thank you um and then the last question that came in on the registration so if any of you in the audience have additional questions this would be a great time to submit them um, but the last one I have here is, um, what is one of the biggest risks that you have taken in your career? Oh, gosh, I feel like I've taken so many. The biggest one, the biggest risk was um, likely moving to Utah originally, right? Um, that yeah, I was in Southern California at the time. I had met people um, at Solar City that seem like good people, <laughs> seem like people I want to work with and surround myself with and resources I wanted to have. But I think anytime you pick up and move and you probably know this firsthand, it's a scary thing. It's a risk. You know, it's it's one of those things where you're like, I hope I'm making the right choice. Um, and beyond that, for me, was when I I left for a minute out of Utah and I came back and I took the job at Divi and that was risky. I mean, anytime you're working in startups, it's risky. It's like, I don't know if this is going to work out. This is, you know, I've, I've been around the block. I've seen a few startups in my, my age. And I, you know, it, I, like I said, the vibe at Divi felt different. The product that we sell is world-class. The business model is unlike anything I had seen. So it all made a lot of sense. The people I wanted to surround myself with were there so I had formulated this tick list, like I said, and so despite it being risky, it didn't feel as risky, but I, it's still a startup series B startup is risky and it worked out, you know, we've worked our tail off and we're not done yet over there, but to take a company from nothing to $2.5 billion exit in just three and a half ish years is insane. Like it's just unheard of from a growth rate. And so um, the risk pays off, you know, you got to go all in on it. That would be, you know, and, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, you know, but you'll always learn, you'll always learn something from it. And if you can take time again, back to journaling and really come up with what did I learn from whatever this was this day, this moment, um, this crossroads I'm at, like whatever the case is and apply it, like it will serve you later and in a big way. And so I think the biggest risk was moving to Utah and then probably taking the flyer on this company in Lehigh called Divi, which has turned out really well for me. So, yeah. Thank you. And then another question on our Q&A feature. 
Um, how did you overcome opposition? Yeah, it took me a long time, to be honest, um, to, you know, to be this, to be this authentic self, to say, you know, I am married to a woman publicly, <laughs> you know, I, I hid for a long time. I, you know, it was just until recently that I started saying, Hey, call me Mel, like everybody else does in my entire life. And I'm going to take off this professional mask of Melissa, although I do have that on my zoom right now, but you guys can all call me Mel who are taking this, you know, or, or Missy, if you really want to go in with my grandma or my mama, but, um, but it took a long time. And I think it's kind of just part of it. It's part of confidence. That's why I'm saying evolve your confidence and know that it's just going to take a while to overcome the different oppositions that you have. But as long as you're making, like I said, 1% progress every day, you will come to a place where you're like, I really like who I am. Like, and I'm, I'm really good with it. So opposition in a big way, it takes time. Like, don't be don't feel like it's all going to happen tomorrow. Like, you know, but as long as you're putting in the work and taking steps forward on it, like it, it'll serve you. Um, and I think in just general op opposition, like with a project or I'm in sales, right? So we have quotas and different things. I think just keeping the bigger picture in mind in your life, like what is the bigger picture? Like I said, carve out your vision for your life. Like, what are you going for? or big picture. And those little opposition hurdles don't feel like as big when you, you may trip over them or, you know, come up with a pitfall in life, like try to really find perspective. And one strategy that works for me, and I've shared this with people on my team is like, picture yourself in like a raging river, right? And there's rapids all around you and it's really chaotic and you're about to drown and it's stressful. But if you can climb yourself onto the shore, and then you climb yourself onto the hillside and you climb yourself on the mountainside. You look down at that same raging river and it's just a stream. Like it's just a little stream and it's beautiful and it's just part of your life. And finding perspective and zooming out in situations can really help you feel like that obstacle or that big hurdle, you know, wasn't that big of a deal. And maybe you'll see a land bridge down the way. You could just walk across and you don't have to charge the river, but you know, it, it gives you perspective. It gives you time for pause and for peace and for thoughtfulness. And with that, you can problem solve a lot better. So those would kind of be my couple of tips. Thank you so very much, Mel. Uh, this has been awesome. And as I said at the beginning, you always have something insightful to say, um, and you certainly did not disappoint um, those of you on the call, um, you may have seen, I dropped into the chat, um, the takeaway. So thank you for taking the time to put all of that down on paper. So everyone has that takeaway with them. Um, if for whatever reason, you're not able to access it through the chat, I know sometimes uh, zoom can get a little wonky. Please feel free to email me kelly.paul at uvu.edu. And I'll be sure to get that over to you. Um, usually I close it out with kind of like a plug for reflection, but I love how you included that on the handout. So I'll just kind of uh, take what you have started there and just encourage everyone to uh, pick one thing from um, this talk this evening, something that you want to get started on and, um, you know, put it into practice, make it a routine, um, as Mel mentioned, and thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, we certainly appreciate it, and we look forward to having you back again. So thank you, everyone. Have a good evening. Thank you, Professor Hall. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Thank you.